good morning, everyone. Let's, uh, let's just open with prayer here. Lord, that song we were just singing is very prayerful. Speak, O oh Lord. We're so grateful that you're a real God, that when we come here to worship, we're interacting with the living God, that we keep coming back because our souls are hungry for more, that somehow mysteriously we recognize your presence is here, and it makes a difference. We're hungry for it. Thank you that your word is something that you give to us, that you Allow us to explore, to read. We're about to read it this morning, God. It's your holy word. It may have been written literally thousands of years ago, but it's shocking how much it speaks to our real lives here and now. It's part of the reason we believe it. It's something written so long ago, still is so unbelievably relevant to us today. Oh God, thank you so much. Speak, we pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Dwell in our midst today. May it be sweet fellowship. And we pray it in your powerful name, Jesus. You, the one who rose from the dead. You, for whom nothing is impossible. Amen. Well, good morning. It's good to be here. It's good to uh, be in worship. It's good to be in our sermon series, Every Person Counts. It's wonderful to uh, be thinking about that reality. Isn't that an amazing reality? Every single person counts. Pastor Kristen um, helped us explore that last week as we looked at Psalm 139 and we talked about how We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And that every single one of us, every single one of us is precious to the Lord. Is somebody that God knows and God cares about in an incredibly deep and meaningful way. Every person here is someone for whom Jesus came to earth and died. So that you, so that I, so that all of us might have that freedom from our guilt and our shame and might have that true life and might be on the road to becoming the people that God calls us to be. I mean, that is very encouraging. Do you know that life is hard sometimes? It's good to know that you count and that God came and loved you so much that he died for you. Every person counts to God and Here we go. If every person counts to God, (laughs) we're in trouble because every person has to count to us as well. If God cares about every person, then I have to too, don't I? And you do too. If God loves people that much, then every single person is worthy of love and every single person is somebody that we as Christians can reach out to and just love. And I just want to tell you from the heart today, I love you guys. I love Bemis Point UMC. And I know Pastor Kristen loves Bemis Point UMC. We have loved you from the very moment that we found out that we were coming here. You know why? Not because we knew you and thought, wow, those people are great. We had no idea who you were. 
but because love is a choice that when lived into has sweet rewards. And so we can just choose to love people. And then as we practice that, oh, wow, it's great. It's great to live into it and discover just how wonderful people truly are. And when we love God, we, um, or when we love each other, we honor God because we love what he loves. Every person counts. Because every person counts to God, then as followers of God, every person counts to us. We Christians are people who look at our neighbors, even the grumpy ones, and say, we truly love you. We truly love each other. Remember that commandment that Jesus gave to his disciples when he was giving them the Last Supper communion, which we're going to celebrate today as well. What was that new commandment he gave to them? Does this ring a bell? A new command I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Wow. Well, how do we, how do, we do that? Let's look at um, 1 Thessalonians today. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to look at a few verses. Chapter 5, verses 10 through 28. And in this section are some clues as to how we love one another. <clears throat> Verse 10. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good, reject what is harmful. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Brothers and sisters, pray for us. Greet all God's people with a holy kiss. I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers and sisters. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Friends, this is God's word. This is God's word. And it's got stuff to say to us. Thank you, God, for your word. Do speak to us, we pray through it. Well, every person counts. I remember I had a creepy friend in high school who decided that greet all God's people with a holy kiss was uh, pretty much a command from him to the female population. (laughs) And you know what? They did not appreciate that. And that would be a radical misunderstanding of scripture. 
Love on each other. That's what he's saying. Every person counts. Because of that, we can't ignore each other. We're called by Jesus to love one another. And we cannot love one another if we're disconnected from each other. How do you know if somebody loves you or cares for you? They show up. They're part of your life. They reach out and connect with you in some meaningful way. And we as Christians are made to connect with each other in the body of Christ. You were designed to be connected to other people. You by yourself, just trying to live life by yourself, that is, that's unhealthy. That's unhealthy spiritually because you need the support and the love that others give. It's unhealthy in virtually every way. We need each other to build each other up. I uh, was reminded of this. I think I told you a couple weeks ago when I was uh, preaching about uh, going to my father's grave in uh, Houghton and uh, standing there. And just, uh, it was kind of an emotional time for me and I was weeping and I was just, it was good to be there and to be thankful. I'm not sure if I told you what's all around my dad's grave. If I, if I did, please forgive me, but I, I just want to tell you that is a powerful place for me to stand because of the community members who have gone on to glory who are buried all around my father. It's so cool. It's such a testament to being connected to each other. Right next to him was his best friend in the music department, Nolan. They were... Uh, Roommates, when they first came as bachelors, and then they got married off to wonderful women, one of whom was my mom, which is really cool. <laughs> just wanted to point that out. Just want to give mom the plug there. They're buried right next to each other. It's so cool. When they rise on that final morning, they'll be together. And there's other people around there, too. An older couple who lived just over the hill from me. I think it was a school superintendent or principal or something like that. He was this real big, tall guy. You know what I remember them for? Best Halloween candy ever. <laughs> that, I mean, make sure you go to their house. It was awesome. It was worth, it was worth the, the climb up the hill. Just over on the other side, the, the very kind and loving district superintendent from the Wesleyan Church his son, his deaf son, was a good friend of mine in grade school and high school. A wonderful family, a wonderful guy. I look at him, I look at that grave, and I think, thank you, Lord. Just a little bit further, the electrician who worked for years and years in our community. Good, faithful guy, part of the church, part of the community of faith. A servant, teaching, maybe not, maybe I didn't learn um, big biblical things from him, but I learned from his example of a hard worker and a faithful servant to others. Just next to him, a biology professor who died suddenly at a young age. It was very sad, and yet his legacy is powerful. Three children who love the Lord very much, who have sweet spirits and dispositions. A wife who, uh, just a wonderful person, a great testament to the faith. The older lady who was uh, single her, her whole life is just next door to them. 
She was the sweetest, most encouraging person to me as a young person. She was an example of somebody who was satisfied with her life. A beautiful example. And just near her, a wonderful friend of my mom and dad's, a a woman, she and her husband, her husband passed away earlier, but she, well into her 80s, still loved to go to the movies and go out to eat and laugh hysterically with, like, college students. She was great. And, you know, if you wanted to say, hey, Margaret, have uh, you, you know, you seen the latest movie? Oh, you bet she had. She knew the music and she'd seen the movies and she was just, she was vibrant and alive with life. Even as her body kind of went downhill, she was a vibrant person. My favorite, though, is the two music professors buried right in front of my father's grave. Two rivals for power in the department. One was the department head and the other one wanted to be the department head and caused some significant strife. They butted heads often. They loved each other, but it wasn't pretty. It was like gritting your teeth and loving each other. They didn't always love each other's actions, but they were faithful Christians, and they're buried right next to each other. Isn't that awesome? I love that. When the Resurrection Day comes, they're going to rise right up and give each other a hug. It's just like Thomas Merton. I don't know if you know the monk Thomas Merton. He was always in conflict with the abbot who was in charge of his monastery. He wanted to do things and the abbot didn't want to let him do it. The abbot died first and then later when Thomas died, they buried him right next to the abbot. They did. The brothers did it on purpose because they said, These two guys need to be together for eternity. That's pretty awesome. Fellowship of Christian believers is a precious thing. Sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's natural, sometimes it's fun, and sometimes you grit your teeth and still do it, but it's a reality, and it's a beautiful, beautiful, precious thing because every person counts, and because every person counts, that means every person counts, not just to God, but to us as well. We Christians cannot ignore each other. We're called by Jesus to love one another. And we were made to connect with each other in the body of Christ. Well, how do we do that? Well, our scripture today gives us some wisdom. Verse 10. He died for us so that when we are awake or asleep, whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. That's our first clue. Jesus died for us, yes, for our salvation, but notice how Paul says it here. So that we can live together with him. Friends, there is no truth to solitary religion. That is not real. It seems like it might be if you have this understanding that it's just you and God. But we must follow God in community. If we don't do it, it'll just suck us dry. It's not just we must follow God in community because that's a nice idea or that's the ideal. But instead, it's absolutely crucial to our spiritual survival. Yes, each one of us must decide on our own to be a follower of Jesus. There's no grandchildren in the the body of Christ, in the family of God, we say. Every person has to make their own decision, 
to become a disciple, an apprentice, an imitator, a follower of Christ. But the moment you make that decision, well, first of all, when you made it, you didn't make it completely on your own. Somebody influenced you and brought you to that place. And every moment afterwards, you won't grow unless you're hanging out with other people who are helping you do that. None of us can actually follow Jesus without the love and support of fellow Christians. And so I just challenge you, if you know someone right now who's sitting at home and who's disconnected from fellow Christians and they're saying, you know what, I can follow Jesus all on my own, I just, I just ask you please to urge them to reconnect with their fellow believers. We are made to connect. Paul says that Jesus died for us so that we can live together with him. Together means us and him, Jesus. And why? Why is it so important that we be together? I know that um, uh, the huge cross-country meet that happened uh, this week, this weekend, McQuaid happened. And um, Maple Grove made a great showing up there. Michael Pepe was uh, first overall for small schools. We have a great team. Do you know that every person on our team came up with a better personal record time? You know why? Because there's so many people running at McQuaid that you're never alone. You're never lost in the woods somewhere on your own going, oh, this really hurts. I think I'll slow down. There's always somebody around you and you're thinking, Okay, I'm, I got I to keep going. I got to go faster. Every single person finished with a faster time than normal. Paul says, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Isn't it great that he notes that we are doing it? It's always great when somebody acknowledges something that's already happening and, and gives you praise and encouragement for it. I see this all the time at, Bemis Point United Methodist Church, I see people encouraging each other. People speaking words of kindness to each other, reaching out, sending encouraging notes, a kind word. That's a beautiful thing. And yet Paul says, keep doing it. Do it, do it, do it. You can do it. This feels like a soccer game or a volleyball game or a cross-country meet, doesn't it? Come on, you can do it. Keep going. Encourage each other, he says. Build each other up. You know, we're not just like crazy people to stand on the sidelines when somebody else is doing something hard and cheer them on. It actually makes a difference in their, in their lives. It's not just a psychological moment for a parent to be like, yeah, go little Johnny. Go, you stink, but keep going. No, 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 that's not like a moment for you. That's a moment for little Johnny to be encouraged, to be spurred on. Every single person out there needs that kind of love and encouragement. It makes a difference when we shout, you can do it, hustle. Cheering each other on, connecting is a way to show love for each other. But this connecting and loving is not always easy. Paul goes on and says, verse 14, and we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone, make sure that no one pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other 
and for everyone else. Now, lest you were thinking that this encouraging and spurring on was going to be always easy, he just drops these things in here. We urge you. We urge you. This will take effort. It will take effort on our part to show up, to connect, to send the note, to speak the words, to take the time. We urge you to love each other, to build each other up. But also, loving each other and building each other up takes into account that we don't always act our best. Did you catch it? Warn those who are idle and disruptive. Make sure that no one pays back wrong for wrong. Are Christians ever idle? Are believers ever disruptive? Oh, you know it. We all are at times. We all have those moments when we do wrong to somebody else. And Paul is saying, urge, we urge you to have the courage to warn those who are idle or disruptive. To love people enough to warn them. It takes courage to do that. It probably takes relationship to do that. Although there are moments in your life, even if you don't have a deep relationship with somebody, that you can speak a word of warning or challenge. But often, that comes well from a person that they they know loves them deeply. And friends, they may not listen. We may urge or warn or challenge somebody and... They say, I don't want to hear that from you. At that point, just keep praying and know that you've done your part and trust the Holy Spirit to do his part in their lives. Don't pay back wrong for wrong. Yes, Christians will sometimes do wrong. Don't pay it back. Pay it back with love. Remember Paul says, when you love somebody who's done you wrong, it's like heaping burning coals on their head. Not that you really honestly want to literally heap burning coals on their head. But you want to love them. And it, oh boy, they sense it. I did this person wrong and I'm being loved in return. It creates an avenue for forgiveness. A chance to move on. Yes, call a spade a spade. But never refuse to continue loving each other. Finally, Paul says, every person counts. He says, encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. When we look around, we've got to be honest. People are hurting. That's a part of this challenging life that we live in. Sometimes it's a deeply personal thing. Sometimes it's relational. For whatever reason. And we have the beautiful opportunity of encouraging them, of building them up. I love how he says, encourage the disheartened, those who have lost heart. You know, when somebody does something amazing, we say, wow, what heart it took to to, to believe that that was possible, to keep on going amidst all the challenges or all the the difficulties that they faced. What heart. 
But it's possible for people to really lose heart too. To really become discouraged. In fact, even to give up. Sometimes hurting people will lash out. That's the wrong or whatever that needs to be warned against. But sometimes they'll just give up. If that's you today, be encouraged. Be encouraged. Others are looking out for you. Right now, you're in the midst of people. All of us here, myself included, are being challenged to say, how can we love each other? Stay connected. Encourage each other. And if you're feeling pretty good today, man, just spread that to everybody you know, especially those who are disheartened, especially those who feel weak, especially those for whom you don't want to be patient, but you know that if you are, it will pay off. It's a privilege as brothers and sisters in Christ to help each other and to build each other up. I may have told you this in the past, I don't remember. I, I can never remember if I've told these stories or not. My friend Troy is one of the, the most encouraging people I know. I just love being in a room with Troy because Troy, instead of what most people or many people when they walk into a room say, I'm here, boy, I hope, I hope people see me. Or, look at me. When Troy walks into the room, he says, look at you. I see you. What a great thing it is to be in the room with you. He doesn't quite say it like that. But he barrels in. He's just like, hey. And he just starts saying what a wonderful thing it is to be in your presence. I want you to hear this morning. It is a wonderful thing to be in your presence. And friends, we have the chance to say that to all the people around us. Just think, is there anybody around you that virtually nobody recently has said, it's a wonderful thing to be in your presence. You could be the person who says that. What a gift. What a beautiful opportunity you have. My friend Troy inspires me. Because he looks at others and just encourages them like crazy. We're made to connect, to love, to encourage. It's a beautiful reality and we can start today. We can start this very day. Don't wait for someone to set something up for you. Take the responsibility to connect with others. Have someone over to your house for a meal. Or if you're uncomfortable with that, Go with them to Tim Hortons. Get a coffee and a donut or whatever. Get together before work with one or two people to pray or after work if you go to work too early or during your lunchtime if you can do that type of thing. Reach out and love people because every person counts. And we were made to connect with each other. Today I just want to give you two very practical ways that you can love other people. The first is something Brandon already mentioned this morning. Tonight at 7 o'clock and every Sunday night at 7 o'clock, we are here and we are praying. And when you pray for people, that is loving on them. And it's creating more of a spirit in you to connect to others. 
and it's creating the flow of the Holy Spirit, God waits for us sometimes to ask. He knows what to do. He could do everything in a flash right now if he wanted to, but he loves us so much, he wants us to mature into people who, like him, would look around and say, oh, wow, I think maybe somebody might need some love or encouragement. Maybe some challenge. So God encourages us. He says, I'll respond if you ask. And so I just encourage you to consider coming out tonight and praying at 7 o'clock here at church. But also, in your bulletin, you may have noticed, there's a card. A little card from Bemis Point UMC. It says on the inside, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. It's right out of 1 Thessalonians 5.11 here that we just read. Friends, hundreds and hundreds of people will receive this card this weekend here at Bemis Point UMC. What if every single one of us used it? What if all across our church, people reached out to each other and just took the time to say, I see this in you. I want to encourage you. I want you to know that you are loved, that you are cared for, that you are somebody who I look to and I just smile because you're there. Maybe it's somebody you don't even know, but you just want to encourage them. How cool would it be if hundreds and hundreds of these cards were used this weekend? What would this week be like if you wrote that card and said, you know, that was really nice. I think I could do one more. I think I could call that person. I think I could buy a coffee at Tim Hortons. I think I could do something that would love and encourage somebody else. Some of you, in very specific cases, like Paul says here, might actually need to love and encourage somebody in a more challenging way. I would encourage you not to use the card for that. (laughs) This is not an opportunity to be like, you have problems, let me point them out to you. (laughs) Love your brother or sister in Christ. When you do things like that, you need to do it face-to-face. They need to know that you love them. But most of us will probably just have the flat-out joy of being able to send this to someone and say, I'm so encouraged by you. You're a great person. You're precious to God. Maybe I know you really well. Maybe I don't know you at all but I want to encourage you. Friends, I want to be the first cheerleader here this morning on your spiritual race to encourage each other and connect. You can do it. Hustle, Christians. You really can do it more than you even know because the Holy Spirit can fill you with that power and that love. Well, we're privileged this day to also take communion. Do you know that today is World Communion Sunday? I don't know if uh, anyone knows that here, but World Communion Sunday is a Sunday in which churches all across the world uh, specifically say we're going to make sure that we take communion today. 
so that there's this unity and there's this connectivity all across the world. Before we do that, I just want to say a few words and then lead us in a a prayer just in, in our hearts, a prayer of confession to prepare us for communion. All too often we tell God that we will do better and that we will be better and then just go on living the same way that we always have. May this be a moment when we tell God about our failures and our faithlessness in order that we might receive the hope that he will heal us and send us out into the work of the kingdom filled with grace and hope. So let's just pray together for a moment. Oh Lord, forgive us. Our communion, our connectivity is not always visible to others. Sometimes we allow threats to our unity to enter into our lives, making it hard to see that we really are your community. We act as though we can do it on our own, that we don't need each other or that we don't always love one another. We don't know and don't bear one another's burdens and we fail to build each other up. Lord, we do not always give ourselves willingly and joyfully to one another. And so in your mercy, in your grace, forgive us, God. Cleanse us. Take that guilt away. Inspire us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Bring us to health and wholeness that we may bring love to this world. In Jesus' name, amen.